0: Good morning, Gateway family. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord with you, Uh, whether you're watching online or you're here in in person. Welcome. Uh, I'm so looking forward to worshiping with you all this morning. Uh, We're going to start something new on Sundays. We're going to have people from the body come up um, before we begin singing to read from the word of the Lord and to pray for us. So today I've asked my friend Asher Dodd to come up and pray for us and to read Psalm 29. So welcome, Asher
1: hey thank you so i'm reading psalm 29 bravo god bravo god uh, sh- whoa gods and all angels shout encore in all before the glory and all before god's visible power stand at attention dress your best to honor him god thunders across the waters brilliant his voice and his face screaming with bre- streaming brightness. God's across the water, uh, sorry. God across the flood waters, God's thunder symphonic, God's thunder symph- symphonic. God's thunder smashes cedars, God topples the northern cedars. The mountain ranges skip like spring colts. The high ridges jump like wild kid goats. God's thunder spits fire, God thunders, wilderness quakes. He makes the desert of Kadesh shake. God's thunder sets the oak trees dancing, a wild dance whirling, pelting rain strips their branches. We fall to our knees, we call out glory. Above the floodwaters is God's throne, which his power flows, from which he rules the world. God makes people strong. God gives his people peace. So I'm going to pray for you guys right now. Dear Lord, thank you for this congregation and everyone in it. I pray that you would use your power to make them strong. Lord, I pray that you would give them peace like it says in that scripture right there. I pray that you would have them throughout this whole week know that you are their foundation, that you are their rock solid foundation, that they would be strong because of you and that they would know that there would be nothing that could harm them because of you, that you would give them such peace that they wouldn't even know what to do with it; that it would overflow them with joy. And I thank you for all this in your name. Amen. You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn
0: more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message.
2: It's good to see you this morning. This morning, we are going to continue. I got two weeks left in this in this series on rock solid Um, I believe that when the Lord gives us a word at the beginning of the year, and it generally takes me a couple months to unpack all of that. So for at least, gosh, seven or eight years, um, the first two months of the year, I end up preaching along the context of a passage of Scripture that God gives me. This one out of Luke um, for our foundation. Um, but I believe it's, it's a prophetic word. I believe it's a prophetic word for us as individuals, as our families, uh, and also as our church, of what God wants to instill in us. And then everything else from this year kind of will sit on top of this foundation. So Luke, Luke is the passage of Scripture, Luke, Luke 6. And I know I see people carry Bibles in church all the time. I love seeing you carry your Bible. And you carry your Bible, and then I promptly put everything on the screen. But it's okay, you could actually read from the translation you brought with you, as well as what's on the screen. So I'm going to read it. This is our passage of scripture um, as a foundational piece, oddly enough, because it speaks about foundations. Luke 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like, who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. It's pretty vivid picture that Jesus paints for his audience there, and for us now, that the foundation is going to be, uh, for our lives, is going to be not just on his words it's gonna be actually putting those words into practice, all right, and so there's a very vivid picture here, and so we, we unpack that. I talked about, out of Matthew 6, three kind of foundational principles, foundational actions that we, that we should fold into our life, and that's out of Matthew 6. Um, Jesus is teaching at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. He talks about giving, talks about praying, and he talks about fasting in those three, three areas, and then last week, I, I put on top of this, this maybe these anchoring movements, these, these things in which um, I talked about mattering, that in order for us to put any of this into practice, that, that we, have to, we have to anchor into that we matter. When I wrote it this way, I, because I had you recite these with me, right? I matter, I have purpose, and I belong. Now, this is not self-help language. It's biblical language and that we unpacked that on, because you have to believe that you matter. You have to believe that you have purpose. You have to believe that you belong to something bigger than yourselves in order to walk out the promises of God because those in themselves are their own promises of God. So this week, uh, next week is gonna end this series. Um, This week I was gonna do with Pastor Micah here, which I'll introduce to you in a second. We were gonna do word and worship. What is, what is word and worship, and how do these add uh, foundation to your faith? And then as we talked more into it, she, she just had too much to say, so she told me that I have to, I'd have to come up with a different plan. And uh, so I'm going to do word next week. on the, how, What is the word? In the context, we find the word, right? Because we, we encounter the word in different contexts. We encounter the word by ourselves. We encounter the word in a group worship service. We encounter the word in a small group. We encounter the word in different in different contexts. How does that word in those different contexts? How does that end up shaping us? Right. So, but today we're going to talk about worship. Now, um, Micah uh, is a recent. Well, she's will graduating in May with a degree in worship studies from the. Wor- Weber Institute of Worship in Jacksonville, Florida. She has a BA degree in music business from Belmont University. But, um, but I've known Micah since she was eight. And I've known Micah as a worship leader since she was probably around 10. And let me tell you why. My daughter and Micah are best friends and they, uh, they were growing up together. And in this short amount of time, Micah's, Micah's dad was... Um, He wasn't yet the, wasn't the worship pastor yet on staff with us, but he was in and out. So he would be worship when he was in and out and he was doing a worship album release in Arkansas and we drove up for that. And they were about 10, Mike and Annie were about 10. And so that's the age where they no longer want to sit with their parents. And so they were sitting up a couple rows and off to my right. And I this is the first time I saw um, my daughter raise her hands in worship. And Micah and her standing next to one another with their hands raised in worship. Now, you know, man, it just melts the heart of a parent, right? To see their children starting to engage God emotionally like that. And I knew that Micah had grown up in that. And so here, already at 10, she's leading my daughter in worship. And then when she was in college, she came back, she would stay, and she would lead worship for our students, which she still does on Wednesday night, lead worship students. And in January, she became our first, believe it or not, the church is 17 years old, but it is our first full-time worship pastor. First, first time. And Micah is our first full-time worship pastor. And, um, yeah. So carrying, carrying that history of not just a worshiper, but a worship leader, and then coming out of this very house. So, um, in our discussions around worship, here are the three things that, that Pastor Mike is going to tackle with us. One, what is the role of worship in building a foundation of faith and this rock solid? How does worship fit into a rock solid faith? Second piece would be what does worship look like outside the context of this room? right? Because you live your life basically outside of this room, not inside of this room. So what does worship look like in the context out of this room? And then lastly then, but if that's the case, if we live the majority of our life outside of this room in worship, what does this room matter? How does it matter that we worship together in this room? So these are the three ways in which she's going to unpack this. And I'll, I'll, um, I'll interject from, from, from time to time through this. So Father, um, you um, you created us to worship you. This is woven into who we are as a people. And so Father, I pray today that you would, you would help articulate, you would help flesh out from your word and, and, um, of, of how do we do that, and what is the significance of that? Lord, you don't want to just be engaged intellectually. You're not our professor only you're our father. You want us to engage with you, heart, mind, soul, body, all of us. Lord, help us build a stronger, deeper foundation of that in this worship service. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, thank you, Pastor Charlie. Um, it really is, I can't reiterate it enough, an honor to get to serve Gateway. Um, to have grown up here, it is undeniable that Gateway shaped so much of what I believe about God, what I believe about myself, and and worship, and to to now get to serve in vocational ministry in this place is is really just the sweetest gift from the Lord, um, and one I did not see coming. Um, but I I actually come from a long line of ministers and, and musicians and worshipers. Um, my my whole family, my sister, my mom, my dad, they're all beautifully gifted musicians. Um, and we've always used those gifts to honor the Lord. It is what um, it's what our family has taught us. My great-grandfather was a pastor in Texas, and my papa today is still a pastor in East Texas. Um, he probably is just getting out of church right now. Uh, he, every Sunday, he leads worship from the piano before he steps up to the pulpit and brings the word. Um, and all four of my grandparents still faithfully serve the same church together today. So um, that is just such an important part of my story because they taught me what it was like to live a life of worship. Um, as Pastor Charlie mentioned, for several years, my father was the the worship pastor here at Gateway. And he was the one who started dragging me up on the platform to lead worship when I was about 16. Uh, and it just was contagious. I couldn't stop. I couldn't get enough of adoring the Lord in song and in prayer and in worship and um, getting to do it with the body. Uh, I, in college, I became really passionate about the local church um, and and it's just been really sweet to kind of develop this, uh, cultivate this this gift um, and this desire, this longing to worship and worship with the local body. Um, but the... I, I constantly joke that our family is like the Levites. Like we were born into a tribe of worshipers. We couldn't get out of it if we wanted to. Um, and and I think the thing that being in a family of worshipers taught me more than anything else is that worship is not what we do on a Sunday. It's not just what happens in this room. It is it is a posture that we are supposed to operate in every day of our lives Um, And I think there's a common misconception or even a subconscious thought that we have about worship, which is that it's just music. When we come into this room, I'll say, Let's stand and worship together. But that's just where the worship begins. Uh, worship is prayer. Worship is the word. We worship throughout all of our time together. Um, and so I think when we when we just forget and we assume that worship is just music, we relegate it to the three to five songs we sing on a Sunday, and it doesn't have a place, a, an intentional place in our life outside of this room. Um, we are beings created to worship, though. In Isaiah 43, verse 21, God declares through the prophet Isaiah that we are a people created for him to give him praise. So it is woven into our DNA, this desire to, to worship. And, and so often in the world we live in, we worship so many things that are not God. We, we worship careers, relationships, money, celebrities, Uh, we live in the age of influencers. So our DNA, our craving to worship is literally being preyed upon. And it's telling us to worship anything but God. Every day we come across these things in social media. And and so we have to decide who is it or what is it that we're going to worship with our lives. Um, And and that can be kind of hard to to tangibly access. Um, So I'm excited to kind of share some of my heart about that. Um, But I think What's really important about worship to God and not to to things or to people is that when we worship those things, those idols, it's a one-sided relationship. We pour everything we have into these things and that's it. We don't get anything out of it. But when we worship God, it's a relational exchange. It is a sweet opportunity for us to commune and fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. And, uh, And that is just, that's what we were made for. Um, And so reorienting ourselves, remembering that we are postured to worship our God, our creator above all else um, is, is something that I'm super passionate about. And I think that this is why worship is important to a rock solid faith. If we're going to worship something or someone, and we are because it's in us to do so, why wouldn't we worship the Creator, the one who designed us to worship, and 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 commune with God, and shake off those things that tell us to worship things that are not of the Lord? Um, that is how we maintain a firm footing and, and depend on Christ as our rock-solid foundation. So many words come to mind for me when I think about worship, and I'm sure they'll come to your mind too when you think of worship. What do you think? I think faith. I think um, trust, adoration, exaltation, I think sacrifice. Um, it's really hard to narrow worship down and, and, and pin it in a conversation like this because it is such a broad topic. Um, but there's, there's three things that I feel worship allows us to do, some three key actions of worship. Um, the first one is that worship allows us to revere. W- worship allows us to revere God, give him reverence. The second is that worship allows us to remember we, we celebrate what God has done and we remember his faithfulness and it spurs us on towards the future knowing that he'll be faithful again. And the last one is surrender. We get to surrender our lives being living sacrifices when we worship. Worship When we worship, we get to surrender. So those are the three key three kind of points I'm going to touch on today and in, in why worship is important to a rock-solid faith. Uh, and that first one, reverence, to revere God, I feel as one, it's not a, a word we throw around a whole lot in our daily lives. Uh, reverence is to have a deep respect and love for something or someone And it's this reverence and worship that I think is connecting to the fear of God, which I think is also kind of misconstrued in our culture. Fear of God is not necessarily being afraid of God. It is fearing to ever displease him. It is fearing to, to, to not um, recognize our God as holy and follow his commands. So it's really just, it is a, it is a declaration um, fearing God and, and having this holiness and worship is just a posture for us to say, we reorient ourselves to be wholly devoted to you, Lord. And we give awe and reverence um, when we worship our heavenly father it is first and foremost an adoration and an exaltation. Um, and it's a beautiful thing that we get to be a part of. So we approach God's throne with reverence and a deep love. And it's, it's actually the ultimate gift that we also get in heaven. Uh, we see scripture all over the Bible about uh, how, how the heavens worship God. Um, Specifically, the book of Revelation is a beautiful depiction of reverential worship for the Lord. So I want to read a passage from Revelation 4, verses 8 through 11. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. What a weighty, reverential statement of praise that the heavens are declaring at every moment. And so we join, when we worship, we join with them in this reverence and we, and we praise God. And the second portion of, of worship to our rock solid faith is, is to remember with worship. Um, oral history stories have been a crucial part of the Christian uh, religion, the Christian lifestyle since its conception. Um, while it's not necessarily biblical truth it's a great visual example i uh, i just recently watched the chosen with my mom and there's a scene where the disciple john is interviewing jesus's apostles after jesus has um, ascended into heaven and asking for their accounts and it is you know he's writing them down and compiling these things and so it's our testimony what we've seen god do in sharing those things that, um, that allows us to remember and to celebrate what God has done and to spur on other people, those around us, the body. Um, so we'll talk more about that in, in a little bit with our third question about worshiping together. But this remembering is, is solidified in gratitude. So we, we remember what God has done in our lives. And this dates way before the Christian faith. This oral history, this telling of stories was crucial to the Jewish faith, is crucial to the Jewish faith as well. Um, I think of Exodus 15, which is Miriam's song, uh, when I think about remembering what God has done. It is, it is Miriam's song about the Red Sea swallowing up Pharaoh's chariots um, as Israel has escaped uh, their captivity in Egypt. And I just wonder how many generations continue to sing that song and believe that God was going to provide for Israel again, that God was going to deliver them and God was going to bring a Messiah. I just, I think that we still do that today when we sing songs. What What is worship music if it's not you know declaring God's goodness, what he's done and what he's going to do again. And so we are encouraged in our worship when we remember God's faithfulness to us. And And the last point I want to make and why worship is foundational to our faith um, is is this idea of surrender in our worship. Romans 12, one and two says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So being a living sacrifice is to resist the flesh. It is to resist the envy and materialism and the immorality that would seek to, to take away our focus and that we would seek to worship those things and, and be a part of our flesh. Um, and instead we, we turn away from the world as we worship with surrender. And it is a posture of worship when we deny those things. And it's an opportunity for us to, to recognize the will of God is greater than our own, which also puts us in a posture of surrender that says, God, I trust you. I trust you with my plans, my dreams, my journey, my family, my future. And so we can, as we step away from what the world has to offer and step into a life of sacrifice, uh, a life of surrender, then we can trust in God's sovereignty and faithfulness and because we have now we have now lined ourselves up with the will of God. And so when we worship, we do all of these things. We revere and we remember and we surrender. And, and we not only commune with God, but effectively when we do these things, we speak against the enemy. And so we can praise God. And as we praise and as we worship, as we revere him, um, we, we speak against any, anything that would come against God and his will. Um, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 149. And it's, it's this great adoration of praise. Praise God. Uh, praise him with, with the harp, with the lyre. And there's a turning point in the middle of the psalm that says, may the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. Hmm. And it continues on to, to seek vengeance. Uh, and, and it's a little brutal, but it's, it is deeply connected to our praise. And so when, when we praise, we get to be a part of, of pushing back that darkness and praising, praising God together and seeing his victory come to, come to pass.
2: Your, your, I remember your dad used to say, um, before the team would go out and, and lead worship, something to the effect of swinging a sword. Mm-hmm. He would tell him, let's go swing some swords. I thought that was a unique, um, a unique way to lead into <laughs> worship. Um, he never explained it like you just did, Micah. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I, th- I think giving us these three ideas of um, these actions of reverence, remembrance, and surrender adds, a, adds another dimension uh, to worship. I know when, when I read Romans 12, the way I teach it is that when we conform to the world, and so I'm reading a book right now called Practicing the Way by John Mark Homer, and he's talking about, we, he does, he mentions this, we worship something right? Whatever has our time, our attention, um, our money, or the, whatever, that you, you can consider that worship, right? And so, so we're going to worship something. But when I connect it to Romans 12, when my worship is outside of the Father, um, I am being conformed in the pattern. So you tell me, I teach it, right? Like it's like Plato and we put a, we put a um, um, mold, right? There's always stuff left. There's always stuff left out. So when I'm conforming to the world, that means the, there's gonna be stuff that God put in me that gets left out. But when I'm worshiping, I'm transformed. That All that stuff that he's put in me, it gets formed, it doesn't get stuff left out. So really, really strong on, on um, reverence, remembrance, and surrender. All right, so we're in here, you mentioned four songs, you know, maybe. So what what... How does worship then, or how do how does worship shape us, or or how do we end up shaping worship outside of this context?
0: Yeah, Monday to Saturday, it can be a, a hard task to find ways to worship. Um, I recently read a book um, that that describes all the ways that we can commune with God through nature, um, through solitude, through giving, and it was just a great reminder that that there is opportunity in the world to worship God outside of uh, outside of this place. Um, And I think it starts with recognizing that you don't have to fit things into your schedule to worship God. We worship God and we praise God through everything that we do. So there's this resource that I've become really fond of. Um, It's called Every Moment Holy. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it before. It's It's a series of books and they're compilations of daily liturgy or prayers by Douglas McKelvey. And they are liturgy for for everyday circumstances. So in the first volume, a few examples of the liturgy is liturgy for one who works the night shift. Liturgy for changing diapers. Liturgy for the ritual of morning coffee. And for arriving at the ocean. And I just, I think it's so beautiful that we can find God and praise God and, and, and pray in these moments uh, what are seemingly mundane, making my coffee every day I 'm um, half awake, but it 's an opportunity to, to praise God um, and in this resource one of the, the, the <laughs> one of the things that they say about this book is that these prayers are ways of reminding us that our lives are shot through with sacred purpose, even when especially when we're too busy or too caught up in our busyness to notice. There is liturgy in the ordinary. Mm. And I think that's something, that's the first place we start as we talk about worship um, throughout the week, is that it's not about finding and fitting and, and, and making more time, which we should, but, but it's about recognizing that everything that we do, the mundane, the mundane things, the routine things, they should be infused with praise because God is worthy of our praise in everything we do. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I think a part of a part of this um, worship in our daily life, um, outside of outside of just songs, which worship songs throughout the week they, they get me through. Um, I I have often said to the the eleventh or twelfth grade girls that I lead on Wednesdays that my car is an altar. Uh, it is where God meets me. It's where I meet God. It's where I praise, cry, uh, pray. And, and so that is really special to get to worship, to music throughout the week. But, um, but prayer is a pillar of a life of worship. And I don't know if we always consider prayer as worship, um, but, but it absolutely is. Um, I shared in the last service that I have several friends who are young moms and watching them love on their kids and, and make meals and clean messes and chase toddlers all the while praying, praising, um, and, and revering God in their daily lives is such a beautiful um, thing for me to watch. And I see the way their kids, who can barely talk, want to pray. And I can see that they are infusing in their family a lifestyle of praise. They are operating out of an overflow. Um, I mentioned as well that my mom is a massage therapist. And uh, she, unbeknownst to her clients, she prays over them. They don't know it. But she's sitting in a room of silence for an hour, and she gets to pray over these people. That is worship. That is using what you already have to give glory to the Lord. Colossians three sixteen through 17 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything we do is an opportunity to glorify the Lord and and to do it with a grateful heart. So gratitude is another form of worship in our daily life, Monday to Saturday. Um, this is a part of that remembering dimension of worship. When we are grateful, we remember what God has done. We thank Him for what, for ways we've seen Him work in our daily life, from the biggest deliverance to to the smallest, um, to the smallest joy that we find in our day. Every opportunity. Um, Every moment is an opportunity to celebrate what God has done for us. My sister and I were just recently reminiscing about um, a memory we both have of our grandmother. We would go to Walmart, and when we'd get there, she'd pray for a good parking spot. And when she found one, because we would find one, because God is faithful, she would sing—it was like this— I can hear it in my brain today, this sing-song cadence of, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And I'm sure she still does it today. And I love that because it's not just something she's saying. She means it. She believes and knows that God, every good thing comes from the Lord. Um, And that was just such a— just to recognize God in in the little things is such a joy. But I do wonder— How much easier it would be to recognize and to worship throughout our day if we did start with worship first thing in the morning. Um, Being in the presence of God before the day begins has such a powerful effect on the way the day carries out. And, And you can tell on the days you don't. I can tell on the days I don't. Martin Luther is famous for saying, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I love this. Um, God honors the time that we spend with Him. God honors that time, and, and, and the rest of the day, if I've spent the first three hours in prayer, I'm not worried about what I had to do. I know that, I know that through God and with God, those things will be accomplished, um, but I spent the first part of my day worshiping, revering, surrendering to God. And God deserves our worship at the beginning of the day. We woke up this morning with breath in our lungs and new mercies with the rising sun. Is that not reason enough to worship our God first thing in the morning? He is worthy of our praise at the very first thing. And as we mentioned before, when we worship God, it's a relational worship. So as we worship in this relational experience, then worshiping God with our very first fruits of the day, our best of the day, will only continue to to participate in this ongoing conversation with God throughout the rest of the day. You've opened up the dialogue with the Holy Spirit first thing in the morning. So how many times will you now recognize opportunities to worship as you move throughout your day? Um, you've already experienced the presence of God and will continue to do so. Mm-hmm. I know I'm, I am so guilty of dragging God along. and then, And then when the day gets really hard, asking God to mm-hmm. jump into it and help me. And... The day, and he always does. Gosh, he's so faithful. But, but what would my day have been like if I had just mm. started at the beginning, breathing in the presence of God and exhaling the world, surrendering my day and remembering God's faithfulness?
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah, worship is transformational. And I love when you said that when I'm worshiping something else, it's, it, at best it's transactional. Um, but it's generally one-dimensional. Worship is what is transformative, and you know I've been pastoring for over three decades, and you've heard the same phrase I've probably heard about. As people who say, "Well, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites." All right? So it's always an, an, enjoy, I always enjoy that conversation. Um, but I'm but I'm wondering how worship Monday through Saturday changes that encounter with someone, right? If if worship becomes my my, my posture, my pattern, uh, and i 'm being transformed in that context. How much different is someone going to that that, that engagement going to be with someone right? I have the ability to be actually be transformative in that conversation because of i 'm in a different posture um, and uh, I cried when I presented this next question to Mike in the first service so you don 't get as many tears <laughs> in eleven because i 'd get them out because um, in her your generation your your um, it has become very popular to hold on to this idea of being dismissive of what we're doing right now in a body context, here it comes, on Sunday morning uh, as a congregation that, that has uh, seemingly been trivialized as not as essential to the growth and development of worship and the like. And although we just touched how we can encounter God Monday through Saturday, What do you find the significance of this moment, this gathering that we do?
0: I think the absence of my generation in the church and watching a lot of my friends walk away from the church in adulthood is one of the reasons I'm so passionate about pouring into the church because it was this church that led me into adulthood in a way that prepared me um, for the troubles that were to come and are still coming. Um, there is something different about worshiping with people than worshiping by yourself. And sitting in this room, you know that you've experienced it. And it's not just mass think it's not, it's not, it's not believing just because other people are there, but there's something that happens. It's powerful and tangible when we not only commune with God, but we get to commune with one another as well. This is what God designed the church for. Um, God's heart is for community, and it's so clear throughout all of Scripture that it's such a gift. We, we are not to forsake the gathering. Uh, when we worship God throughout the week, there's just an element that we don't get. And it doesn't mean that that's not valuable. It just means that this is an extra added bonus or dimension to our worship. Um, so I think the first thing that happens when we worship together is that we get to encourage one another. We have the opportunity to practice what what. Pastor Charlie preaches whenever we gather, which is the lending and the borrowing of faith. We get to link faith and, and express gratitude and remember what God has done and celebrate God's goodness and pray for those who are still waiting. And and, and it, is, it is so encouraging to say, you know what, I saw God move in your life and so I'm going to praise God for what he's done for you and I'm gonna believe that he can do that for me. He can do that for my family too. And then those people who've seen God's goodness will pray for you and say, I know that God did this for me and I'm gonna believe that God can do that for you. And so it's this beautiful exchange of encouragement and, and um, renewed sense of faith whenever we gather together. Um, Hebrews ten twenty three through 25 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching." We are privileged to gather and encourage one another. And it spurs us on to love and to be Christ for people and to be kingdom builders Monday to Saturday as we continue to worship. I think we also come together and we embody what the kingdom of God is intended to look like. We come together um, from different backgrounds and cultures. We are a multi-generational, multicultural church. Um, we hail from different countries, continents, backgrounds, and that is a beautiful thing. God values diversity. It is a part of God's creativity that he would make us different and come from different walks of life. Um, and what God creates and God values, we should value as well. So that's why a big reason why I value this body. Um, God values when we come together and, and there's something different when we can kind of pour into one another. Um, I love that we have always been a multi-generational church. People who are younger than me and people who are older than me, both by like 20 years or more, have poured into me for all of my life. Um, it has been such a gift. Acts two seventeen says, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. No one is exempt from experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we come together as a body, we get to do it together and it's that much more powerful and beautiful. Titus two also talks about um, the elders imparting wisdom to the younger people, um, and and Jesus we know values children in his ministry. It was it's childlike faith that we get to watch. I I could not stop staring as as your sweet girl watched Christian give the announcements this morning. What a beautiful a beautiful thing to be raised in the church this morning. Um, and for her life. And so I just, I love that we get to do that together as a multi-generational, multicultural church. And then we get to engage in worship. And this is a dimension that became um, something that was really important to me while I was in school, um, as I'm finishing up my master's degree. It's this full and active participation. And that doesn't always look like singing at the top of your lungs with hands in the air, although it often does for me, as you know. Um, but it, it, it means that we are fully engaged in what we are practicing and in the presence of God. Several studies have been done on the mind and music, but one that I have really enjoyed and one that um, just still tickles me is that people have found that there is um, true connection when all people in the same room are, are singing and listening to the same song together. So um, scientists have mapped between with blood oxygen, oxygenated blood, essentially, they can map what part of your brain is lighting up. And when everyone in the room listens to the same song, the same parts of your brain light up. So all of our, all of our minds literally come into synchrony and, and we worship. It's in our DNA that we would become one to commune with the Lord. So we are fully engaging with our minds and worship and we have the permission to do that with our bodies as well and our spirits. Um, singing together can feel strange, and it can feel intimate to some people. That's that's foreign for, um, but I want to encourage you to express these things. Um, it's already lying dormant in, in your brain. And 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 not to say that that singing songs is the only way to worship. I I hope that I have depicted that it's not. But there is something so powerful when we do um, sing those songs together. And as a pastor, and as just a worshiper, my heart longs to see our people of Gateway fully and actively participating in worship. Um, it, is, it is an opportunity and a, and a beautiful moment to glorify the Lord together. Um, I think my expression of worship was largely shaped by Gateway because it is a place that allows us to worship freely. Um, I, when my dad was a worship pastor, he'd say, turn to your neighbor and say, I give you freedom to worship this morning. And I thought, gosh, how corny but it really did, it made, it it brought some walls down. It allowed people the opportunity to breathe a sigh of relief and say, you know what? I can worship. I'm not looking at the other person and they're not looking at me. I'm here to worship the Lord. And we get to do that together. um, But, but not for, for any um, observation, not for anyone else's perspective of me. Um, I just get to worship freely. And that is so important. And more than you know, you are a worship leader where you sit. Um, you have no idea the way it impacts your neighbors when you get to worship. The way it impacts me to be able to to see people as we worship together it it spurs me on to worship. Um, we are not a divided team and congregation. We are one body in the name of Jesus. And so when we worship together, we are truly worshiping together. Um, and so. You have no idea the way you can spur other people on whenever you choose to to participate in worship on a Sunday morning with other people, and lastly, um, something that happens whenever we worship together on a Sunday is that we get to encounter God in in fresh ways um, with the Holy Spirit, and we tell the story of God when we come together as a, as a body and we worship. We tell the story of god 's creation of of our fall of of Jesus's resurrection um, and ascension and our new life. And we get to tell our testimonies and how we fit into all of that and, and encourage one another in that and encounter God in that way. And like I said, this, this worship to God, it's relational. So when we commune with God, we're transformed by his spirit and by the word when we come together. And that is something that while you can of course, access the Lord at any moment in your daily life. It takes on a whole new dimension and beauty when we do it together as a family. Um, and it is something that I treasure so much about being part of the local church.
2: Amen. Come on up team. Um, I love when she, that, that study that she cited that the, our brains light up and sync together. It, it, you know, it's reminding of where the scripture was like, one puts a thousand to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight, right? But what else sinks? If our minds are sunk, synced together in worship, wouldn't you say that our minds are synced together with the Father mm-hmm. in worship that has aligned us with him? So could we be more in line with God than when we worship? Amen. So, so we're going to worship here in our final minutes together. Um, as usual, C- communion is available to my left and my right. Communion, it's a, it's a sacrament. The, the, the juice represents the blood of Christ, the, the cracker, the body of Christ. We receive it together as a body roughly every four to six weeks, but it's available. And the reason why it's available every week is so many people come from backgrounds that have landed at Gateway that this has been part of their liturgy. I love when we have former Catholics say I'm not, they're, not really, they're not really used to the concert at the beginning of the, of the message. That's, I mean, that's some of the language they use, but they like, still like coming to mass, you know? And, and um, truly, right, isn't this a place for all of us to find common ground to seek the Savior? And that's why Mike is bringing up students and older people and whatever and going to be reading a scripture and opening our service with scripture and a prayer. It's why we'll have communion available to the left and right. It's why this side of the altar is available for you to come if you just want to pray by yourself. That there's the altar still has a place in modern Christianity, folks. Okay, we have not outgrown an altar this side. When you come to this side, you're indicating I need someone to come link faith with me today. And as soon as you walk to this side, there are people that will come alongside of you and link their faith and pray for you today. That's why we can worship with our hands raised. We can worship with our tears. We can worship reverently in our seat. There there isn't a quintessential way to worship. But I encourage you to stretch yourself and allow you to become more connected emotionally in worship. This is not a class. You don't come here on Sunday morning to just hear me teach, right? If I brought up the Popular Mechanics book or my dad's Chilton manuals and walked you through taking apart a part of transmission, you would transmission, you would not come, right? Because unless your transmission is broken, you don't need me to do that. But we all walk in here broken emotionally. Places that need to heal and ministries in which God wants us to be a part of healing someone else. And this is why we teach the word because that is is what the word does. But he's not God- I know where that I've been able to find in scripture is there anywhere where I address him as professor. I address him as father. Father. And addressing him as father will carry emotion. And I encourage you to let that form because that emotion and that worship is what will ground your faith. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Father, thank you for this, this moment in time where we get to lend faith, borrow faith, link faith together. Lord, thank you for your word today through Micah on worship. May we all be transformed, Lord, as we worship. And in this moment, Lord, there's no, I have no idea what need has walked into the room with these people or who is watching this online now or watch it online later or who will listen to the podcast later. For those who will hear this later, the timing for you to hear it was now, when you heard it. That's the timing God had ordained. And I encourage you to engage, engage, engage. Father, do what only you can do in this moment we have. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I invite you to move.
0: We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.